0: first episode of T-Rex Bites, where you get a little bite of what's happening in the T-Rex startup community. Each episode, a member of our team will have a conversation with a T-Rexer. This might be a company founder, an educator, or anyone else with entrepreneurial expertise. This week, T-Rex's Mark Tatchenhorst has wrangled together contributors of our St. Louis geospatial ecosystem. Thanks for tuning in.
1: Hey, welcome everyone to the first ever T-Rex podcast. We're titling this T-Rex Bites, I'm Mark Tagenhorst. I'm the program director for the Geospatial Innovation Center at T-Rex, and I'm joined with some wonderful guests today that have made a tremendous impact in the St. Louis area geospatial ecosystem. One of the things that we do at T-Rex is focused on connecting the geospatial community, and we usually do that through events called Geosaurus Unleashed. Those events are really to not only develop personal and professional connections across the geospatial community, but also to introduce topics, whether it be geospatial technologies, uh, how it's being used in business and government and some of the research areas and, and our academic institutions. But unfortunately, Geosaurus Unleashed events can not happen in this environment. And so we decided we wanted to use this media to keep the momentum going in the geospatial community because, uh, and we'll talk about it a little bit later, um, there was a ton of of momentum going. Um, With that, I'll pause and I want to introduce the topic of today. It's going to be, obviously, the coronavirus impacts the geospatial community. With that, I have, uh, as I mentioned, a wonderful cast of guests today. And I would like uh, for them, if they could, introduce themselves. And I'll start with uh, Dr. Patty Hagan, the Executive Director at TREC.
0: I'm Patty Hagan, and I'm lucky to work with this wonderful uh, cast of colleagues that Mark's put together this morning. And uh, we're looking forward to having a fruitful discussion, as well as continuing discussions with regional experts, national experts in the geospatial field to keep this momentum going.
1: Thank you, Patty. Uh, Dr. Andrew Kirsten, who is the Dean of College of Arts and Sciences at the University of Missouri-St. Louis.
2: Hi, I'm Andy Kirsten. I am the Dean of the College of Arts and Sciences at UMSL. My background is a U.S. historian, and I've focused much of my research on the early part of the 20th century.
1: Thanks, Dr. Kirsten. And finally, Justin Bennett, uh, who serves as the founder and CEO of of small business GeoData IT, and he's also uh, a co-chair for USGIF St. Louis Area Working Group. Justin?
3: Yeah, as, as mentioned, uh, I'm uh, the president and CEO of GeoData IT. I am uh, a resident here at the GeoSaurus or the Geospatial Innovation Center here in uh, in T. Rex, and uh, and uh, happy stay home uh, opener for the Cardinals.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, stay at home opener. Yeah, who, who would have thought? Um, so I talked a little bit about the the impacts. Um, on the Geospatial Innovation Center, T-Rex's programming. But you, if you're familiar with the geospatial ecosystem in St. Louis, you clearly understand the tremendous momentum that this region has experienced in geos explosion of geospatial technology and companies. You know, recently St. Louis was awarded the 2023 and 2025 GeoInt symposium a number of businesses that started to expand their footprint into the St. Louis region and clearly the the backing of the city uh, and local civic leaders to really create a a center of excellence in geospatial technology in the region was all going full steam ahead. Uh, Here at T-Rex we're just ready to cut the ribbon uh, on the Geospatial Innovation Center which is 16,000 square foot mecca for geospatial technologies and um, and then we heard the screeching of the brakes which uh, we now know is uh, COVID-19. So here we are at the other side um, of our computer cameras uh, looking to get that momentum back or or at least uh, continue uh, to forge forward in our our geospatial uh, efforts in the region. So um, I, just for the panel, I, I would uh, be interested to understand what, what, what specific layer are the coronavirus uh, impacts to your specific uh, organization. Uh, Patty, we'll just go ahead and start with you and talk about T-Rex and what the current posture is.
0: Sure. Thanks, Mark. Well, just like all of our small business colleagues and uh, corporate colleagues, we're dealing with a really unexpected um, event. And flexing as best we can um, to the crisis. Early on, we saw we I thought we were pretty ahead of the curve and seeing what might happen in terms of the spread of the virus. And so we prepared T-Rex, the facility itself, for managing that crisis and serving our small businesses as it moved along. And so in terms of you know our service to our startups, our facility, uh, the building in, uh, on Washington Avenue in downtown St. Louis, one of the essential services that we provide to our community is frankly mail services. And so we've needed to keep that mail service going for our small startups, um, for all the tenants in the building. And so T-Rex has kept that aspect of our um, facility going and open with T-Rex staffers staggering their staffing of the facility so that we can take care of those services for our companies. We don't want any of our companies to miss getting a check in the mail or their packages or whatever they need to do whatever they can to keep their businesses going. But at the same time, We have a great uh, communications manager, uh, B.J. Krayberg, and we're using his talents with sharing whatever information that we receive, whatever research we can do on support of small businesses, both locally at the state level and at the federal level, to share with um, small business and startups in order to ensure that they have the resources that they need to continue their operations as we all deal with this crisis. So the social media piece of this, and then um, we have a community of people that is amazing in St. Louis that's sharing information as they find out. So it's been a real community effort in ensuring that um, startup activity and entrepreneurship can continue forward. And then finally, this piece is uh, another part of a bigger idea that we have in terms of um, keeping the momentum going, you know? I mean, we have to keep connected on these efforts and um, this is an important part of that. There'll be more to come in terms of connection and connecting to our constituency and to people who have interest in both um, the geospatial trade craft as well as advanced information technology innovation as well and so, We want to try to serve our community with connections and information and a sense of humor, which is part of what (laughs) T-Rex offers in a lot of ways, I think, and um, so we look forward to doing that and are are very open to um, any other suggestions that our wonderful constituency and community uh, partners might have for us moving forward.
1: Thanks, Patty. Uh, Dr. Kirsten, I have a son who's in the University of Missouri system uh, down at Columbia. So from a parental standpoint, I, I obviously know the impacts and, and how it is for, for his senior year. But can you share with us what else has been going on or what other impacts to the University of Missouri system? Specifically? Sure. Um, so.
2: Absolutely. I have a daughter who's a sophomore at UmSO, so this impacted us uh, very directly and we got to see it happen real time. And uh, as I have a, a spy in the system, I could also help manage some of the messages that were coming from campus to students. It was very useful at that moment to try to figure out what students need to hear and how they should receive emails. At Umso, we have uh, made a commitment to over-communicating and then apologizing later. which is uh, our approach here. Uh, That said, um, uh, it it is often hard to take very complicated ideas like what are we doing during this pandemic and scaffolding those to various constituents, not only on campus, but off campus and throughout the region. I think UMSL has a very similar approach that T-Rex has taken. In fact, when I was listening to Patty, a lot of it just sounded so familiar. It's not exact, but it rhymes. About a month and a half ago, ALMSL began to prepare for what was coming. Um, and as we did that, bottom line, we wanted to continue to support our community in the region. And so our students, our faculty and staff, as well as all the small businesses and profits and uh, profit-based uh, businesses and nonprofit-based businesses that were trying to leverage the future, so we made a, a very rapid and almost revolutionary uh, transition within a few weeks. And so what we've done is we have committed to maintaining a core of services for all. And that includes uh, reinventing the teaching and learning environment. It's often said at this moment, that many universities in the country have gone to online instruction. That's not quite right. Uh, what we've done is uh, uh, created a remote structure For students to engage, our platform is online, but it's really remote delivered. I think that's the best way we can think about this moment. Ultimately, though I know we're going to talk about future changes, this will change higher ed permanently. That said, we also then, after we uh, settled into a structure to offer remote education for all our students, not only the students who are living with us, many of whom who've moved back home, but also students who would commute to Elmsell as well as the thousands of students in this region who are in our advanced credit program, whose instructions in the high school, which offered a very particular challenge because they had different kinds of social distancing structures being implemented across the city and the county. But what we did then, once we got everyone situated in that teaching and learning environment, including the faculty and offering them support, we have now moved to remote working for uh, nearly all UMSL employees. UMSL remains open, but we're mostly working remotely. And finally then, um, we have remained committed to offering the best quality health care and wellness care that we can possibly do in this moment. So for example, the College of Arts and Sciences has four major psychological science service centers in this region. All of them remain operational and so as dean, it's it's been inspiring to watch the level of commitment that people have at this moment to supporting St. Louis and the region in this geospatial structure that we're this ecosystem that we're talking about today. UMSL is wanting to be a leader and is wanting to support uh, everyone in the ecosystem, and we continue to make progress there. Though it's it looks a lot different today than it did maybe a month and a half ago.
1: Thanks, Andy. That was fantastic. Hey, Justin is a um, is a small business owner. Obviously, you have your your own set of challenges. Talk a little bit about how this has impacted GeoData IT.
3: Yeah, our team was able to rapidly establish what I call the geospatial mission from home. Um, everything from cyber operations to obviously the, the mission systems that we support, which went uh, pretty pretty smoothly. Uh, we didn't have a lot of hiccups. Uh, didn't get a lot of folks that had challenges with that. It was pretty seamless, which which was is pretty amazing given the circumstances. You know, we run a pretty lean operation from a small business standpoint with very talented folks, so they can really work independently and, and, and be productive from home, which is great. I personally feel like, uh, and you guys know me well, I feel like I've worked more and, and I'm more productive in a home setting and home environment. Um, so this has been pretty interesting to me to, to go from X number of hours to exponential number of hours in, in a couple of weeks. Right. And, you know, from the, from the people aspect of things, um, many have uh, had to essentially shift and reprioritize um, their lives and even focus more on family and safety. I, myself, obviously I have a young, a young one at home. Uh, so this has really brought us closer together and focusing on family and safety and, and, you know, in the current environment, uh, Safety is not necessarily guaranteed, so uh, so yeah, it's been a challenge, but uh, I, I think we will uh, we, we we will come out of this better.
1: Thanks, Justin. I know we've we've been seeing a lot more of each other. <laughs> <laughs> the only ones uh, are the, the tenants at Geos, uh, GeoSource. Um, continuing on this topic, so so here we are in, in the middle of this pandemic, and as usual, the geospatial companies and organizations around the world are stepping up in big ways. Uh, but One one of the most common things that you'll see is dashboards that depict where uh, people are infected, uh, where the fatalities are, where it's spreading to. Those come in a a number of different forms and fashions, and and there's an awful lot of them out there to, to provide situational awareness to the community or or to the world. Another uh, aspect that that maybe is a a little bit lesser known on the product and services side is indoor navigation companies are stepping forward to map interiors of buildings to identify where infected patients have moved throughout the facility, where there's ventilators within the the hospital or, or other building commercial imagery companies have stepped forward and provided before and after images uh, to see if groups are adhering to the stay-at-home orders and practicing social distancing. So there's a number of those uh, products and and services out there. But one of the things that that has really grabbed my attention, you know, maybe a little controversial, is the perspective of using individual cell phone data or social media posts the, the locational aspects of that to determine whether social distancing guidelines are being adhered to and you know David data is being harvested uh, by companies and either being used by you know government officials or, or other entities to, right? And so it really raises a data sharing and data privacy issue. And one of the, um, you know, it's always a constant battle between being able to access data to provide good and individual rights. And so I'm interested in the panel's uh, perception of, um, you know, maybe the the short and long-term impacts of of solving a pandemic crisis like this and using uh, individual data. Uh, streams that you know maybe people do or don't know um, wh- whether it has locational information to it. Do you see um, issues moving forward, and how do we balance that? Uh, is it going to be policy changes? But how do we balance that between individual rights and solving the pandemic? And I'll I'll open that up to the to the panel.
3: I'll, I guess I'll go first. So from from my perspective, I view this as uh, extremely important. Um, however, on the, on the micro level, uh, essentially protecting the privacy of individuals versus the macro level uh, of greater public health um, is always going to be a great debate. But essentially, the, soo- the sooner the information is shared and available, obviously, the sooner, um, you know, the, the sooner we can process it. And, and more importantly, you know, creating better decision making capabilities um, for re- first responders and essentially uh, emergency personnel. Um, and, and essentially, those those that are on the front line uh, of this pandemic, such as you know healthcare providers and such. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, integrating a variety of these uh, variables into shared models that you know I believe will help uh, be- us best focus resources on the at-risk um, areas um, and getting uh, getting uh, resources where they're needed.
2: I think Justin's last point is really important from my point of view. So I'm going to answer part of this question as dean, and then I'm going to take that hat off, and I'm going to put on my hat as a U.S. historian. As dean, it, it's the integration between essentially computer science, statistics, and social science that I think is the most powerful moment going forward in the next few months. I'm endlessly fascinated, or I'm too tired to read text at the end of the day. I look at the maps of what's going on, and I wonder at some point if people are going to begin to overlay some maps. For example, uh, infection rates or hospitalization rates or movement rates with uh, the maps we have on health disparities. As we layer those things, or we have uh, logistical maps that you can layer on top of that as well, or access maps to healthcare clinics, uh, pharmacies, and begin to understand what we need to do, not in the next six months, but also the six months after that. So I think that's very important, and as Dean, uh, the College of Arts and Sciences is is sort of built for this kind of analysis. uh, We focus highly at the university on interdisciplinary programs, and this is the kind of work we do. This is why it's so important to maintain the teaching and learning environment for our students. It's, it's, it's a part of the solution going forward in these degrees in cybersecurity and AI and sociology and psychology. If we can leave that for a second and go to the historical, um, I have to offer a caveat by saying historians make terrible forecasters of the future. We're trained to look at the rearview mirror, not through the windshield. That said, I think this moment changes everything, and it changes that relationship of uh, civil rights and civil liberties to what is are really the production centers of the fourth industrial revolution, these data warehouses. In that context, I think you can look to the past. There is an analog in those decade and a half, those terrible years from the early 1930s through the middle of the 1940s. And what we saw there was the national government, the federal government reshaping what was a civil liberty in terms of mobility, in terms of work, in terms of your civil liberties, in terms of privacy. And I think those are gonna come back because the fundamental question, if you're a company that has thermometers that, and, and is harvesting data from people, and if it truly matters for your community about who is sick and who is not sick, and if so, if there's a civic good in that, um, I think, uh, as Justin said, there's a balance between the right to privacy and the right to security. And and I think it won't be long before people are going to look to the, the preamble. You know, the federal government's role is to ensure the, uh, domestic tranquility. And it, it this, these are unusual moments. And those... Those steps might not have to be taken, and it will shape the world uh, going forward for the next
1: century or so. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, interesting point.
0: I, I just will pick up on on Andy and Justin's statements that you know, uh, it, I, I think we are in a um, life changing, history making moment right now, and um, and I think there are a number of directions that this moment can take us to. And history needs to be a guide and an informer to the direction that we push toward. On one side, we have data that can help to inform us and help us to create responses that could save lives. On the other hand, this could, you know, these moments have been proven to lead toward a more authoritarian kinds of approaches to um, government and so you know as a policy person um, this is the moment when good government expertise good knowledge of history um, and understanding back to what andy said of the social and psychological factors that lead to policy making types of decisions are really really important And we need to keep our eyes on this. And we need to, as citizens of this great country, and we're gonna be okay, but this is a moment where things will be redefined and we need to be very participatory in the way that things are defined moving forward for the good of our country and for the good of the citizens of our country. So all of these things, it's just a matter of bringing together great knowledge, great thinking, um, good expertise and uh, a care about the common good and um, and our fellow human beings.
1: <laughs> Thanks. Really, really appreciate the perspectives uh, and certainly something that you know we can continue to study. And uh, try to balance in the years to come, um, so which actually leads me to um, you know where do where do we go from here? How can we continue to be effective in the region and continue to you know gain momentum in this this new operating uh, paradigm? And and what do you what do you see the challenges over the next six months of the year?
0: Who do you want to start, Mark?
1: <laughs> hey, you're you're on
0: screen. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Well, just, you know, uh, who knows in a lot of ways. I mean, I'm going to take some guesses from the T-Rex perspective. Um, I think um, there's going to be a a slow transition. I mean, we will, this too shall pass, first of all. Um, It's going to take a while. Um, And it it will change as we discussed a, a lot of things moving forward. And So how we are all relevant into the future is an important question for all of us to think about. And I know I've been thinking about that a lot lately. If we're focusing on geospatial, the need for that kind of expertise is paramount. It will continue to be paramount. So we will continue to need to build um, talent and education and workforce development to fulfill those kinds of needs. I think it'll be an interesting thing to see how we move forward in coming together socially and in gathering, you know, so some of our things at T-Rex like co-working and events and, um, you know, big things where we bring people together. What will that look like into the future? Will that gradually return? So those are questions I think that still remain to be answered, but it, it does sort of force you to think about, a lot of different new opportunities as well. And so there's always um, an opportunity in a crisis. And I think it behooves all of us to think about what are the ways that we can serve, how can we help move things forward for our own organizations and for our community as a whole, and how can we help one another and those might take different forms. And I think we're seeing a lot of that um, across um, the United States right now. So I have a lot of hope. And I think that, um, but but I think we're, we're in for um, uh, kind of a bumpy ride for a while.
1: That's, that's a, you, know, you made the point of, you know, the way we have to change within our own operating procedures. And I mean, one of the things that really made us effective Um, were were these events that brought people together and we built those professional relationships and it really helped streamline what everyone was trying to do. And so we're going to have to look for for different mechanisms to, to do that.
3: Yeah. So just uh, just on, on that the, the the point that Dr. Hagen made. Um, so like uh, for us as a small business and organization, we we were a tight knit group before, and a lot of times we would. Hang out at the office or have you know one-on-one conversations regularly. We can't do that necessarily now. So what we've done is essentially instituted things like virtual happy hours. So we'll be holding a virtual happy hour next week with uh, all of our employees, um, and we and we essentially created a theme. What's your favorite uh, whiskey glass or coffee mug, right? So. Um, there are ways uh, again to your point uh, uh, to essentially shift and uh, you know this too will pass of course, but uh, at the same time it, it uh, keeps us hyper hyper focused on what you know what is what was important to us before and what will be important to us under the future.
2: Lately I've been thinking about pre-existing conditions as we read about the virus. Um, mm-hmm. It's often said if you have some sort of underlying health condition, it sometimes leads to certain health outcomes with the virus. That led me to think about societies having pre-existing conditions,
1: mm-hmm.
2: things that we're good at in our networks and things that are often challenges for us in our networks. And what's coming, uh, the governor said yesterday, is a pretty substantial hit to our state budget. As the public, land grant research university in the St. Louis region, that's going to have an effect that uh, there are some concerns there about how we maintain our operations going forward. That said, that's the key for us at UMSL, is figuring out new ways, better ways to maintain our community on campus, off campus with our students, with our workforce and with our community partners. Uh, UMSL will be there, we will just be transformed. And what that transformation looks like There are, it's gonna be hard. I can't sugarcoat that. That said, at the other end is, I think, a commitment to resilient communities. And how that looks like will take variety of shapes. One is Umso remains committed to the talent pipeline, especially in geospatial. And so working with our faculty in computer science and mathematics and statistics, as well as the social sciences and history, we will have a lot to offer and increasingly so in all modalities. And so that will be one opportunity we will embrace firmly. But in addition, we're going to have a number of research opportunities to support this community. One of them, we're not quite ready for the full announcement, but UMSL is going to create a national security and community policy collaborative. And it goes back to what both Justin and Patty are talking about. How do we maintain these networks of people? How do we help support them? This collaborative will be a true collaborative. We've just hired the founding director whose first day was yesterday. Again, wait for the big announcement with confetti cannons virtually. And what we're dedicated to finding those spots of research that uh, a public research high intensive land grant university can contribute to in this region. And what we're about is supporting uh, communities and that's what our research will look like. I'll give you just a couple examples of what it might look like. The the, the ability to layer those maps and draw out the public policy implications and and provide them to the mayor and to the county executive, that is seemingly a very important first step. But in addition, today the word edge computing means something very different than it did two months ago, as so many of our students are now trying to complete their uh, college education areas that don't have good broadband. So what does edge computing look like there? We can help provide uh, some of the research that begins to answer those questions.
1: Thanks, Andy, and and thanks for letting me be a part of uh, your new founding director's uh, first day as we moved him into T-Rex. Super excited about uh, not only your choice, but um, the ability to collaborate with them over the time. So,
2: um, thanks, Mark. Thanks. I would just add that Patty is absolutely right. Amongst the most important things we can do right now is have a little bit of fun, and <laughs> I just think I know T Rex is a very serious place doing amazing work, but it's also the most fun I have. I always look forward to meetings, and it's just um, and yesterday's meeting really inspired me, um, keeps me motivated, and it was a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, well, my, my dad always told me, you're only young once, but you can be immature forever. So <laughs> I, try to, I try to stand up to that. Um, so as we start winding this down, I do want to highlight, Justin, uh, you guys have some exciting news um, that you can share with the community. Uh, but not only about that exciting news, but, but how uh, how is that relevant to what St. Louis is building as far as the, the Geospatial Center for Excellence?
3: Yeah, so we're excited to announce that we're merging with Freedom Consulting Group out of Columbia, Maryland. The the strategic partnership uh, essentially brings together two mission and people-focused organizations uh, serving the intelligence community uh, and geospatial community for that matter. Uh, essentially, the initiatives for Saint Lucie Working Group um, and under the U.S. Uh, GIF uh, and and also the economic development. Uh, activities for geofutures has really paved the way for, you know, serving the need of the education, the outreach uh, for um, entrepreneurship, research development, and workforce development, essentially in the local geospatial community. So essentially our our merger with uh, Freedom Consulting Group is proof um, that those uh, efforts under under those activities for USJF, uh, for St. Louis Area Working Group, and uh, the economic development uh, for Geo Futures is working, um, so it's just really proof and solidifies the fact that people are paying attention to St. Louis and and want to invest and grow the local community here. Um, and essentially, uh, the one the other other point I want to kind of point out is, um, you know, those efforts bring together uh, the the community to operate as one versus independently, which is extremely important because we're better off, uh, you know, together versus
1: uh, individually. Thanks, Justin. I mean, it has to be rewarding for you because you, I mean, this you you were in on this uh, early on, and one of the thought leaders that that shared this vision across the community. So, I mean, not only personally with your company, but seeing the greater ecosystem grow has to has to be incredibly rewarding. So, thank you for for being a part. You know, that one of those initial thought leaders that helped you know seed this. So I, it, it, it's uh, it's fantastic what has been done in such a short time. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. So with that, I think that's uh, about all the time um, that we had today. I want to sincerely thank uh, our guests for taking time out of your day to, to spend with us. You know, this was our first one and I, I couldn't uh, uh, picked uh, a better group to, to kick these podcasts off with. So uh, thanks again for that. And so, as I mentioned, we're going to probably continue to do these in the, in the, the foreseeable future. Um, this seems to be one way that we can k- keep the momentum going. So if you have any specific ideas on items that you would like to hear in upcoming podcasts, or better yet, if you want to become a part of the St. Louis uh, area geospatial ecosystem, send me a note at mark at With that, go home. Thank you.
2: Thanks for tuning in to the very first episode of T-Rex Bites, where you'll be able to get little bites about what's happening in the T-Rex startup community. T-Rex is a nonprofit technology, innovation, and entrepreneur development center dedicated to strengthening the economic vitality of St. Louis. You can find future episodes at Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, or by checking us out at anchor.fm slash T-Rex Bites. And you can learn more about the T-Rex Innovation Center by visiting us at downtowntrex.org. This episode was written, produced, and edited by T-Rex staff. Music provided by Shane Ivers at silvermansound.com. Cover art by Jocelyn Edwards. On behalf of the T-Rex team, I'm communications manager BJ Krayberg. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll catch you next episode.